Welcome to this week's message at Corner Bible Church. We're so glad that you could join us. If you'd like more information on our church, you could check us out at our website, cornerbiblechurch.com, or you can like or follow us on Facebook. Now here's this week's message. Thank you for listening. The message title for this morning is Expectation Gap Part 2. Expectation Gap Part 2. Now, oftentimes the second part of a movie is not as good as the first, right? We can agree on that. Okay, so hopefully we're not going to do that today. But um, there's something about today that I feel a little bit of butterflies in my stomach. Now, I usually feel that every time that I get to teach the Word, but there's something about today I feel like that is just making me a little unsettled. And so we're going to pray before we jump in. And, and then we're going to get into the message together. So let's go ahead and pray. Father God, Lord, personally, I come before you and ask that you would calm my nerves, that you would calm my spirit, that you would open up our hearts to receive one another, that we would fellowship well as you've called us to and commanded us to, that we would look unique in the way that we go about worshiping you line with what has been done for centuries. Lord, as we participate in the reading of the scriptures today, I, I ask that you would illuminate them to us, as you say you will. Help us to understand them more thoroughly, Lord, and not just to, to hear the word, but to apply it to our lives. Challenge us to grow beyond what we think we can, what we expect to be our end goal. Let our expectations become one with yours. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So somebody asked me this morning if I had uh, took my suit to the cleaners and put it away for the next year, and I said, yes, absolutely. Um, probably be another six or seven years before you guys see me wear a suit again. No, I'm kidding. I'm ordering a pink one, just all pink. That way, I don't know, we can talk about that when it gets here, but all pink, we'll, we'll make it good, we'll, we'll rock it like we should. All right, so in the message today, there's, there's this part of, of expectation that we see. We've all participated to an extent where we have unmet expectations, right? Unmet expectations with either your husband, with yourself, how many of you have unmet expectations with yourself, right? So we, we struggle with these things back and forth all the days of our lives. And, and sometimes we blame it on God. Sometimes we blame it on people around us. Sometimes we blame ourselves. And we get into this gap of expectation where we're combating ourselves, one another, and everything that is around us. And part of what we get to see today is that expectation completely shattered. By what's going on in the text today. But before we get there, I want to tell you a story about my life. About eight years ago, uh, maybe nine now, I interviewed for a youth pastor position. And this was, I had felt, felt called out of the ministry that I was in. There were some things going on there that I did not agree with, biblically speaking. Um, so I stepped down and I moved on. And the Lord put me in a season for about a year where I had interviewed for four or five different churches, including this one. And I told the Lord, as we often do, I'll walk through whichever door that you open for me. And the door that he kept open for me was this one, but I continued to refuse to walk in it. Any, anybody been there before? Okay. So I just, I, you know, I said it, but then I did not apply it to my life. But I had gotten second in like three different ministries. And I don't know if you know about 
coming in second, but it's really just the first loser, right? It just, it makes you feel a certain way. And there were some expectations in my heart that the Lord was going to do as he called me out of that ministry that I thought he was going to answer right then. And then second after second after second. And all of these individuals that told me that I came in second said this verbatim, we really want to hire you, but we need to go with someone from within our denomination. Like, well, like if you really want to hire someone, you just hire them, right? doesn't matter where they're in. And the hardship for me was I was working in landscaping, which I loved to do at the time, but I had left what I felt the Lord had called me to long-term because of what he called me to short-term. And there were some unmet expectations in me that were starting to frustrate me where I had to call my wife and tell her I got second again. So this one specifically, I made it through the process, and, and I, I get called in to teach. So normally what happens is you get called in to teach the people that you're going to be pastoring. This happened to be a youth pastor position, and they go, you know, we don't have any youth group right now because it was during the summer, but we do have this one thing that you can come in and teach at. And I thought, well, sign me up. I'm willing to do whatever. Now, what they didn't tell me was this was an evangelistic event for 6th through 12th graders that they were going to hop up on some sugar and go, go get them, tiger. And that's what happened. Okay, I get there, and I mean, these crazy, I don't call students kids very often, but these crazy kids were all over the place. And they had this big building the size of our church that was their youth center, and they were up on top and down and jumping off things. And I'm going, oh, my goodness. And there was 150 of them everywhere. And the executive pastor came up to me and goes, oh, yeah, by the way, none of these kids are churched. Okay, all right, we can do this. I had taught through a series prior, and, and the Lord had put on my heart to teach a message that I had titled, The Things God Can't Do. Obviously, it's a play on words to draw people in, and the tagline was, stop loving you. Perfect for an evangelistic event, Right? But when I got up to teach, I could not get anybody to sit down and shut up. That's, that's where it was at in my, my, my soul at that point. It just, sit down and shut up. Anybody got there with your own kids, okay? All right, yeah, so we know what we're, I'm not just yelling at myself here, and we can be real, right? That's where I was at. Like, somebody tranquilize all of them. Because I'm up here to preach the gospel, right? Like, that's, it's a big deal. But also, remember, there were some expectations in me that weren't met at that point about trying to get a job. And this was an interview, so I'm up here, and <sighs> when you guys are quiet, I do praise the Lord for that, even though I encourage you to keep talking. I go back to that moment and go, remember when, Richard? So I tried. And I, I'm stubborn. And I tried, and I tried, and I tried. Almost threatened them. Nothing. I, I literally could not get a word in edgewise that they would listen to. And finally, I had a video played, uh, ready to play, that was going to be after my intro. And it was the passion scene from the crucifixion. Again, God can't stop loving you so much so that he did this for you, right? That was the, the play on it. And the Lord said simply, 
just play the video. And, of course, I argued with him. Like, I've tried everything to get these guys to stop talking, and they're, you think that's going to work? Like, uh, come on, like, how foolish are we, right? So finally, I got the tech team's attention, and I was like, hey. And they were like, yeah, that's how loud it was. And finally, they played the video, and everybody went quiet. It was so amazing. From you can't hear anything, feels like you're at an NFL game, and everything's going crazy. The, the thing is way over here, and it's like super loud, and you're trying to call an audible. To complete silence. Preach the gospel. And three quarters of those individuals came forward that night. So amazing. My wife and I got to pray over most of them, and some things came out in some of the young ladies specifically that were just, they blew my mind because I was so frustrated with everything else that was going on. I got second again. But what I realized in those moments was it wasn't so that I could get the job that I got to teach that night. It was because I was the one stubborn enough to keep going no matter the circumstances that were in front of me. The executive pastor would tell me in my, uh, when he told me that I got second, he, he told me also, you're the first one that actually taught anything during one of those events. Everybody else walked off the stage and went home. Well, praise God for that. But there are moments in our lives where expectations that are in us need to be set aside so that the expectations the Lord has for us can actually come alive again. You see, again, the expectation wasn't that I would get the job, but that I would be stubborn enough to preach his word to a group of students that would not listen to anybody else. But for one moment, they heard the gospel and responded. An expectation gap. What we see here today is an expectation gap moment for Simon, who is also Peter. Some of you are confused by that, but it's just differences in the actual dialect that the people taught at the time, the reason we get the difference between Simon and Peter. The question becomes, are they, the people that are around him, are they willing to lay down their own expectations and pick up God's faith-filled reality? Are you, as an individual willing to lay down your own expectations, even the unmet ones that you desire to come to fruition? Are you willing to lay those down so that you can walk in the wholeness and the reality of God's faith in Jesus Christ? Let's pick up in our text today, Luke 5, verse 1. And it says, On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, Gennesaret, excuse me, Gennesaret. And he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting, getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. 
They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, son of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. And when they had brought the boats to land, they left everything. They left everything and followed him. Now, over the course of the last three weeks, okay, this week included, we've all said that there are some expectations in our life that have went unmet, some expectations that were not the reality of the season that God had called us into, some gaps in the expectations. And Simon Peter ends up in this very same scenario. You see, Simon is out fishing for fish, right? That's what you usually fish for. But he catches nothing. You see, this isn't just a moment where he's fishing because he enjoys it. How many of the fishermen in the room today just really enjoy fishing? Raise your hand. I pick on fishermen a lot. I'm sorry. It just happens to be the same analogy, okay? So you enjoy fishing. Even if you didn't have to do it to eat it, you probably would still go fishing, wouldn't you? Right? Amen. They're like, yes, sir, I would. Absolutely. Okay? If you go out and catch nothing, it's not a big deal. It's the experience. But this is not the scenario that Peter is in or Simon is in today. He is fishing because this is how he makes money and provides for his family. And he had been out all night fishing and caught nothing. You see, it's not about the experience for him. He knows he's going to go home and he's going to have to tell his wife that they didn't catch anything that day. Now, there's going to be some unmet expectations in Simon's heart, isn't there? Now, there's going to be some unmet expectations in his wife's heart, isn't there? There's going to be some frustration, right? Because that's what we feel emotionally when there's unmet expectation in our lives. There's frustration. So Peter is in this moment. Simon is in this moment where there's some unmet expectations that have created frustration and even a little bit of bitterness in his heart. And he's cleaning his nets. How many of us have ever had a situation where we've asked God, why didn't you show up? Has ever had that scenario in your life? Or why are you not here right now? You see, we skip past the part of the humanity of Simon and get right to the thing where Jesus calls him in and everything is awesome. But you see, that wasn't the expectation that Simon and the people that were fishing with him went into that night with. The expectation was that they would catch some fish, hopefully be able to feed their family, make sure they paid their bills because they did have bills then. Okay, I know we don't think they had to work or anything like that, but they did have some things they had to handle. And at this moment, we see that Peter is simply frustrated. And Jesus enters in the situation. As many know, when reality doesn't fit your expectations, 
there's a little bit of angst in your heart. Verse 1, it says, on one occasion while the crowd was pressing Jesus. Now, one of my favorite analogies that were used for some of the scholars that talked about this passage was, this is like people trying to get the prize during Black Friday shopping. They were pressing in on Jesus. And you know how that happens, right? You might be those people. We need to work on that if you are. But a couple elbows to the face of other people is trying to get up in there, maybe sending your kids between legs so they can grab some stuff, okay? They were pressing in on Jesus here. And why were they pressing in? They wanted to hear the word of God. But up until this point, people had heard the word of God, but not a lot of them were applying it to their lives. They were hearing it, but they weren't necessarily doing what it was telling them to do. And you're standing next to the lake, and Jesus says, or sees, excuse me, a couple of boats that are sitting here. They're not being used, and he just gets in them. Aside from those of you that are really friendly, how many of you would be frustrated by the fact that Jesus just got up in your boat? Okay, we would. I would be. Uh, excuse me, sir. Who are you? Why are you here right now? Um, so Jesus just gets into the boat. Verse 3, it says, getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land. This part is really, really important for us to understand the humanity of Simon. How many of you, after a long day's work, now I'm talking about a long day's work, or you're frustrated, you're questioning everything about your life, those days of work, don't want to talk to anybody. Anybody like that? You don't want to talk to anybody. You want to move on with your day. You're questioning why you're even a fisherman. Because, again, Simon, some of you guys cheat and you have fish finders. Right? Right? Simon was the fish finder. And as we know, most of the time, we get pretty good at our jobs, right? We can, we can guess pretty well, or we can track things, and that's what Simon and his, his fishermen would have done. They would have charted everything that they known, had known about where they were fishing, so they knew where the fish would be. And he went out and caught nothing, and, and he's trying to get home. He's cleaning the nets. It's not like our scrub-a-dub-dub you know, type of... He's cleaning them very thoroughly, and he's contemplating every part of his existence. And this man who is Jesus, who is a teacher of the word, steps into his boat and says, hey, can you work just a little bit longer? The answer would be, probably not. Like, could you get in their boat, please? Could you just, someone else's. Like, I really had a rough day, and I just don't want to deal with what you're doing right now. We have to recognize the disciples' humanity so that we can understand their belief in Jesus' divinity. We have to understand it. He's frustrated. Jesus asks him to set out a little bit, and he does. The rest of the verse 3, it says, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. Simon gets a lot of flack as one of the disciples, right? Right? dummy, denied Jesus. He's always arguing with Jesus. Like he's the one disciple that Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. We give him a tough time about that, don't we? 
We kind of look at him as the guy that's constantly abrasive and kind of a, a butthead. We never think about this moment in time where he had toiled all night long. Jesus shows up in his unmet expectations, in his frustrations, in his toil, in his hardship, after working a pointless night's work where he'd worked so exceptionally difficult. Simon doesn't even ask Jesus a question. He just does it. What does it say there? Again, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. That means Simon pushed the boat out a little ways. And he listened to every word that Jesus spoke. He heard it over and over and over again. Verse 4 says, And when he had finished speaking, when Jesus had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we have toiled all night and took nothing. This is where we get to see Simon speak for the very first time. Now, he's went out a little further, and then Jesus asks him to go just a step farther. Hey, hey, go out into the deep and put down your nets. At this point, even if you're a very nice person, you would be like, uh-uh, no, this guy is crazy. And what often is taught here is that Peter actually starts to argue with Jesus and tells Jesus to stay in his lane. You guys have heard that sermon before, right? Like, just stay in your lane. I'm a fisherman. I know what I'm doing. You're, just go, just, you teach the word of God, and I'll handle the fish, okay? That's usually what we get taught from this passage. And I'm not saying that's wrong by any means, but I'm asking you to consider Simon's humanity again for a moment. What I've read in this text and what I've seen others read into this text is that Simon is not simply saying, hey, stay in your lane. He's crying out from a heart of unmet expectation. Look, I've already done this. I remember the night I called my wife and said, hey, I got a second again. There was some unmet expectation in my heart and hers, and I could hear it. And she said, all right. I remember hanging up, crying out to the Lord, Lord, why did you do this to me? Anybody? I had a job in ministry. We were growing like crazy. We were in a very small community that had 150 students in the high school. And we had 150 students coming to youth group. We had grown it from 12 to 150 in six months. That's crazy, right? Yeah, it was crazy. Crazy stupid. Crazy amazing. God is good in that moment, but then he asked me to step out of it. And none of the things that I was seeing was the reality of what I had already seen. And there was some unmet expectation in my heart. And it hurt. Because although I know mowing grass is just as much of a service as what I was doing, the calling that God had put on my heart was different than what my reality was showing me in that moment. You guys understand what I'm saying? So it hurt. It hurt. So I look at this text and I say, Simon's not telling Jesus to stay in his lane. He's saying, Master, 
We've done all this. We, we have toiled all night long and took nothing. Because he doesn't argue with them after this. I'm going to show you in just a second. He doesn't say anything else other than this right here. Master, we've, we've, we've took nothing all night long. This is Simon saying, we prayed. We asked the Lord to show up, and he didn't show up now. Why is he going to show up here? You guys been there before, right? We, we already asked this. We prayed for God to show up, and he didn't show up. So what's going to make you know, an hour later any different than right now? God, why didn't you show up? These moments are emotional. They are difficult, and they can break your spirit. They're hard because we find no hope in unmet expectations. And Simon has an unmet expectation, and he's disheartened. His mind is currently experiencing distortion from all the different thoughts that are going on in his head. But let's take a note from Simon. Because with all of that pressing in on him, like the crowds were pressing in on Jesus, because all of these, these statements are the same. In the angst that is in Simon's heart, he says, next passage, but, but, Master, we've toiled all night and caught nothing but. At your word, I will let down the net. This is the most important part of the scripture that we see here. But at your word, I will let down the nets. In his unmet expectations, from a momentary, now hear this, momentary broken spirit, he still responds to the Lord in such a humble and obedient way. At your word. At your word. You see, Simon had seen some things. Most often, if we read Luke by itself, we think that this is the first time Jesus calls Simon. He's actually called two other times. Andrew responds before Simon does. If you read the other Gospels, in unison with this Gospel of Luke, we see that he's called three times. He's walking by, he calls them, they don't respond. He walks by again, he calls them, he doesn't respond. Then Jesus comes to the community that he's in, and we saw the last chapter that he comes in and heals Simon's mother-in-law from a fever. He casts it out of her. So Simon sees this firsthand, and then he sees all of these demons being cast out and all of these people being healed, and all of a sudden his eyes are starting to go, wait a minute. His mind is starting to go, this is a little bit different than my expectations. This is different than what I thought was going to be true. Because what we, we know is that many of the Jewish people are having a really difficult time understanding what they perceive, their expectations of what the Messiah and who the Messiah was going to be, and this Jesus character that's in front of them. There was difficulties. They were a little bit frustrated because they didn't like what they got. You ever asked for something before and just didn't like what you got? Anybody like that? Okay. Did you act like you liked it? So you're liars. Okay. All right. 
The Jewish people were lying. We don't like you. They try to kill him. He passes right through. They ask for more than what he was giving them. Like, you're ungrateful, right? Spoiled little kids. That's what the Jewish people are asking. And, and, and we see Peter respond, Simon responds so very differently than all of the other people that have received something from Jesus. Simon's sitting here after this night of toil, and he receives this command to go out and drop his nets. And he says, but at your word, I will let down your, the nets. Simon's belief is starting to turn to trust. Simon's belief is starting to turn to trust because oftentimes there are many of us that start to believe in Jesus before we trust him. Would you say amen to that? Before we trust that he means things for our good. Before he, we trust him that he says, lay down your arms and pick up the spirit. Combat the things that are unhealthy in you. There's a lot of expectation gaps between belief and trust. And he's starting to tear them down in Simon. You see the scripture that says, Lord, I believe, but help me in my unbelief. Help me when my expectations of what is supposed to be going on around me do not match up with what I think it should look like. Help me in my unbelief. The passage says, at your word, I will. I will. Now, there are some of us in the room today that we haven't given our I will to the Lord. Now, we believe in him. We come to church. But we haven't transitioned from belief to trust. From friend to Abba Father. There are some of us that have been called to serve in a capacity, and we're just not doing it. Now, COVID has killed a lot of these things in the church. But God calls us to serve one another. Out of reverence for Christ. There are some of us that are just have taken a step back and haven't entered back into that. And for a long time, people have told you that's okay. That's not okay. Because if God has called you into it, that's disobedience. Please understand what I'm saying here. There's an expectation gap between what God has called us into and what we think we're capable of sometimes. What we should be doing. Where we should be Serving, maybe some of you have been called to move out of where you're at into a new location so that the gospel can go forward. Now, some of you might be called into the pastorate. I remember the first time I was called into the pastorate. I thought, yeah, right, Lord. I'm good being saved. Anybody ever said that before? Just me, apparently. I am good. Thanks. Got my ticket. Therein lies the expectation gap. I didn't just save you so that you could get in. He saved you so that you could be a minister of reconciliation to the world. Saved and set free. Maybe you're called to have a conversation with someone about Jesus. And you're like, yeah, I'll just, I'll bring him to church. I'll invite him to church and the pastor will have that conversation about Jesus. You ever, you ever done that before? Okay. 
But God has called all of us to be ministers of reconciliation, to share the gospel with everyone. The I wills are different for everybody. This is where Simon was. I will, because you have said it, because your word says it, then I will. Lord, I believe, but help me in my unbelief. There are moments the Lord calls us all into, and we have to get to the point where we say, but at your word, I will fill in the blank. I will. I will. Verse 6, and when they had done this, after the I will, and when they had done this, they weren't just hearing the word, they weren't just saying they would, but they actually did it. They enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. Verse 7, they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. And Simon, physically speaking, okay, he's seeing these boats sink, but in his heart, in his spirit, he's also starting to sink, and he's starting to recognize he's taking his belief, who's, which is transitioned to trust, which is now transitioning into awe of this man who has said, at your word, I will. From belief to trust to awe in a matter of moments. His expectations are shattered. Verse 8, he says, but when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Now we see this multiple places in the Old Testament, but this is the first time that we've seen it in the New. Outside of John the Baptist. We see Simon Peter recognize he's seen all these things. He's heard all these things. He's starting to believe, but he's still struggling with this on-met expectation. He's got a distortion of who the Messiah was going to be. He's also not providing for his family. He's got all these fleshly things going on, but in this moment he sees and his belief becomes trust and his trust then becomes awe. For I am a sinful man, oh Lord, you see, he called him master, but now he calls him Lord. Depart from me. Verse 9, for he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch. Now, we've seen this word astonished four other times as Jesus is teaching and preaching and proclaiming the good news of the gospel, casting out demons. We've seen this, but this is the first time that we've seen individuals transition from trust to awe. It means the same thing. They were mesmerized. They were taken back from it. Verse 10, and so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Jesus turns it back. Do not be afraid. Do not be in fear. Let your fear become awe of what you've seen and what you've seen in me and what I'm going to call you to do. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. You see, astonished is utilized in the last four passages, like I've said. But one's astonishment puts Jesus to death. They were astonished at his word, but then they were frustrated with what he challenged them with. Their expectations were better than Jesus's, and they pushed him to the brink of death. 
And then the next one, they were astonished at what Jesus was teaching, but they just wanted the blind to be seen, the captives to be free. They didn't want any further steps to be taken. And then Peter and the people that he was with, they were astonished, but it went from being astonished at what they had seen to desiring to see more. At that moment, they left everything and followed him. You you read that, right? So his I will continued for the rest of his life. Now, Peter had, Simon had some expectations about his life and what it was going to look like. You guys ever had those before Jesus? Okay, and then Jesus saves you, sets you free, and then it's totally different. Anybody? Anybody? And you're like, no, Lord, that's not what I signed up for. Nope. mm -mm. Okay, that was me. That was me. I went to church for the very first time because my wife, who's now my wife, broke up with me. And I thought I could go to church just to make, you know, it's sufficient enough. I'll just go to church. God will leave me alone. That literally didn't happen. That's the weekend I gave my life to Christ. And the next thing you know, I'm up front being prayed over. And I'm like, how did I get here? Anybody ever been there before? And then he called me into the pastorate. How did I get here? I don't know. Then he called me to be a teacher. How did I get here? You know, those are the things that God just continues to do. He says, come, hey, come follow me. And step by step, he changes and transforms your life. And your belief moves to trust in his faithfulness. And that trust should produce awe, reverence, submission, that no matter what you call me to do, I'm in. Now, there are some of you that have been saved in this past year, and you just haven't taken the next steps yet, where God has called you into some things, but you're a little afraid, and I understand that. But I promise you the step, although difficult and very, very hard, very, very hard, is rewarding. There are some of you that have been stagnant in your faith for a few years, and God is saying, get up off your happy butt and do something. You guys understand what I'm saying? There are some of you that have retired from work and thought that meant you retired from the ministry. That is not how this thing works. Let me say what I just said. Get up off your happy butt and get back into serving the Lord. Now, yes, I'm using some very sharp words that some of you are offended by, and that's okay. Anything that will encourage you to get up off of your tushy And say, at your word, I will. We need more I wills. We see it lived out in the rest of the text, and we will see this. But that I will turns into a transformed expectation. It becomes kingdom-minded, not self-focused. Will you be I will people? There are some things coming down the pike that we're going to call you into as a church. We believe God has called us into planting churches, training up pastors, which we're already doing, putting youth centers in our communities. People have to serve there. People have to be called there. People have to be inspired to move forward. And you're going to hear more about this in the months to come. That's why there was an individual taking pictures today. There are things that we're going to need to see the people step into the I wills of God. Now, if you're not called to that, that's okay. Don't step in. But if you are, Step out in faith and obedience 
and watch and see what God does. Moving into a season of I will. And he's going to separate the ones that say I won't. Because that's what he said he did. That's what he came for. Will we be I will people? Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for our time together. Lord, I ask that in the foolishness of men, that you would make your word come alive. That you would help us have the heart of Simon Peter that, that is at your word, I will. Even though I doubt, at your word, I will. Even though I'm frustrated, at your word, I will. Even though my expectations are unmet right now, I lay down my expectations and pick up the reality of the kingdom. Lord, I will. And we cry out in our I wills that your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us for this week's message here at Corner Bible Church. If you would like more audio resources, please follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google Podcasts. Or you can go online and visit us on our webpage at cornerbiblechurch.com.